and welcome to the Faith Inside the Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 11th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and isn't it weird to think that just summer has been flying by? I know for me, I've just been thinking about it and considering it the last few days and how close we are to Labor Day weekend here in the States, and usually that's kind of an indicator of the end of summer and it just feels like as fast as it was here it is out the door and gone and it's amazing it's kind of a fun time as we are looking to kind of transition toward the end then of the church year as we look at for a lot of churches you have rally sunday just around the corner and the new energy that always comes into a church i find around september just being right around the corner is just amazing. And it's really a fascinating and fun time to be going through a lot of this stuff. Realize if you're not working in a church that this is also usually the beginning of a very busy time of year for a lot of pastors as they are getting ready for this new education year, as they are getting ready for what is about to happen as we get more youth typically into the church, unfortunately, just at that time of year. But I think it's one of those times where we're looking at building and continuing to build. And this week, I think, is a really interesting gospel text you'll find here in a few minutes, comparing it to last week's text. But it's really fun to think about, to consider, and to contemplate, wrestle with. And that's part of what faith is. And I think it's one of the things that we really need to continue to work on within our church communities is understanding and showing that this is a lifelong process. This is something that we're constantly wrestling and working with. And especially with me being a youth minister at this point in my life, I'd argue it's something that we really need to continue to pass on to our kids because I question at times if they fully understand how much we are wrestling with stuff and we're putting on the facade that we aren't. But before we get into this week's text, there's a couple things we need to cover. First and foremost, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves the podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. For example, this week I was looking at it, thought I had this text basically figured out and was starting to try to figure out how I was going to bring the science context in. I listened to a little bit of Sermon Brainway's podcast and read through a couple commentaries and suddenly found that I had parts of it, but there was some deeper meanings that I could pull out. And once I pulled those out, it actually made my job easier to figure out what then I was going to look at talking about this week. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. For the pastor, for the layperson, I think there's always some great material there to actually further your knowledge and just to have some of that inner discussion. As you contemplate what these texts mean to you and what does it mean for the church in the broader context. So I'd highly recommend checking out workingpreacher.org. The final thing before we get into this week's podcast is looking at the Twitter question from last week, which was multiple fold. Are we putting the treasures in the right place? What are our treasures? Are they glorifying God? Are you giving enough thanks? And if not, how are you going to change that? And Tyler, man, you add very loaded questions, I feel like, at times. And I think this week helps to answer some of them. 
But I think it's one of those things that we we often don't think about. We hear about, especially, as in, again, remember, I'm a younger person. I'm a millennial myself. But I think we often talk to kids and people about talents. And you have been blessed in this. But we don't think about how does that relay enough into how can we use these gifts for God and use these gifts as a glorification and an echo and a response and a reflection of God to us. And I think it's one of those things that we need to think about, consider, and look at doing more because we don't do it enough. And that to me is something that we really need to look at and contemplate and work with not only our kids, but our churches as a whole and understanding the different gifts that we have to help benefit each other. So let's get into the text for this week. The gospel text is out of Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 40. There is a lot going on in these eight verses. So I am actually going to read this because it's really hard to summarize because otherwise you're leaving stuff out. So starting in verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their masters to return from a wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not let his house be broken into. You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. A lot going in there. And if I was to try to summarize this, it's a couple things. And Matt Skinner has a really good commentary this week on Working Preacher. And so if you're struggling with this, I'd highly recommend checking it out. First, to not be afraid. God is seeing you as part of his kingdom, and this is his gift. This is something he desires. Second, to be then putting our faith in something that does not pass away, like God, and then realizing that the gifts and different things that we have need to be amplifying praise to God. But in that, that we are prepared for whenever the Son of Man returns, whenever that is, that we are ready to go. The bags are already packed, and they're just, boom, we're going. Just in the middle of the night, in the middle of the broad daylight, whenever it is, we're just go. So a lot to wrestle with, a lot to contemplate and to work with here. The first reading is from Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. And this is after the Lord has talked to 
Abram. This is before he's changed his name to Abraham. And he has made these vast promises to Abram. And Abram then brings up, but I have no heir. I have no one with my own bloodline with Sarai. So how is this going to come to fruition? How is this promise going to end up happening? And the Lord buckles down further and says he will have his own heir and that his descendants will be the amount of counting the stars in heaven. And I think it's one of those things, again, where here is God making a promise, but then we have to have the faith, or Abram in this case has to have the faith, to be able to understand that God will fulfill his promises, again, at his time scale, not necessarily ours. The alternative first reading is from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1 and 10 through 20. This is, I feel, kind of a weird text to have in the Old Testament because it almost feels like a New Testament God to me as I'm reading this as a just a lay person, an unordained person. Because you look at this and God is laying out that I am sick and tired of these burnt offerings. That's not what I'm wanting. I'm not needing these sacrificial offerings. And that he's wanting them to turn from the ways of the past that have led them astray and to just be obedient to him. And through that process, as it says, though your stains are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. That through the obedience of following Christ, he will forgive and remove these stains, which to me sounds very much of a New Testament God that we're getting here in Isaiah. This foretelling in a way of what is to come. But again, as we are on this side of the cross, realizing that he has such this great desire and these great plans for prospering us in whatever his plan is for us as a collective group and as a collective individual, that we often forget then what that means. The sacrifice of putting aside the just the self for following where God is telling us to go. The psalm this week is Psalm 33, verses 12 through 22. And this is kind of, a again, a happy praise psalm that the Lord has this heritage that has been laying out for us and that this isn't just the typical leader and who we're laying down our lives for this leader, but that he is a leader that of love, not of purely death through war. That his steadfast love is this helper in our times of need and will continue to penetrate our lives and steer it in the places of where he's going and that this love is transformative. And it's again, it's this powerful text to be putting in just a position of what we are talking about this week and remembering that this love is very closely associated with faith, that it's through that love that we can 
know God because of how much he loves and cares for us. As long as we put faith in him, we get to experience the love that he has for us in a more tangible way because we're recognizing it. The second reading is from Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 3 and 8 through 16. I really like Hebrews, and I think Hebrews is an undervalued book in the New Testament personally, and I think it's one of those books that we partially overlook because we aren't 100% sure on who the author is. But this is one of the more popular passages in this book by far, and it's that affirming back to what here what Abraham followed what God said and he continued the promise that God had laid out for him and that we see this then through the generations by faith he received power of procreation even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren because he considered him faithful who had promise coming from verse 11 and that through this faith that we have been received, that if we continue to pursue what God is calling us to do, to put ourselves in situations where God can use us, that he will, and that it will not be in vain, that it will be for the glory of God. So like I said, this is, to me, their early and initial take from this was all about faith and having faith in God, which I don't think is a wrong answer this week. And faith is kind of a hard thing to fully deal with within science. There is parts of faith that are in science, kind of like when you're making the faithful judgment that you're checked all your instruments, that they're working properly, that you know the margin of errors on your different instruments. You're putting also faith in your hypothesis initially to steer you in the direction of answering the question that you are looking at observing. But when you look at this gospel text and you're thinking about what the second layer of this really is, it's the sacrifice. It's the sacrificing of the self to be prepared for when God comes, to be prepared for the situation that God is putting you into, where Abram talks with God, okay, you've told me this, God adds on to the promise and continues to promise that he will have an heir and adds to the promise with the descendants being able to be the stars in the heavens. What does that mean? That means that we have to be prepared for that. And I would argue that it's something that we can look to other animals and different things out there, and we see this. And I think it's really interesting when you compare people from different areas of the world, we see this also. So, for instance, I live in Minnesota, and Minnesota, as many of you may know, gets pretty cold in the winter. And so thus, there's a part of us that has to prepare for the cold. You have to prepare by buying your winter clothes. Prepare by making sure that you have cupboards full in case that you have some freak snowstorm and the power goes out, that you have food for a few days. Whereas my significant other lives in Arizona and with living in Arizona, she has a much warmer climate and 
there, when I've been down there, you're not doing as much preparing as in for winter. You might do some preparing for summer where you're preparing for the heat, you're making sure that your air conditioner has been serviced, that you're making sure that things are working so that you can stay cool. But in worst case scenarios, that's why many of them have pools, is to figure out ways of cooling off. And at worst, you have a shady tree. We see preparing in that way, but I would argue that these are not the ways in which God is really telling us to prepare. I look at like bears, and especially the area that I'm in, we are black bear territory. And black bears compared to a lot of other bears here in North America are pretty timid. Still don't want to get in the way of a mother and her cub, but as you're getting toward August, September here, there is a point where the young has gotten to the point where it's becoming like a small adult and so they are noticing that the days are getting shorter and so with the days getting shorter they know that they need to start gorging food really they're going to pick blueberry patches clean essentially eat till they can't eat no more and might fall asleep in the blueberry patch they're going to start then as the daisy get even shorter eating roots and different things of that nature to kind of help clog them up and why because they know that there is a time coming even though it may be still 75 80 degrees outside that there will be a time where there isn't food to eat so they are prepared for that time when they are hibernating so that they can last the winter and especially mother bears because they have their children in the winter they have them during this time while they are in a hibernative state they need to make sure that there's not enough food just for them but also for their young Another example is migratory birds. Migratory birds, again, there has been studies showing that they are studying and realizing that the days are getting shorter. They are at this point probably finishing up or close to finishing up their second clutch if they have a second clutch of birds. And the testosterone starts dropping as we've talked about in podcasts prior to this. And they are going now working together to get ready. They start training. We'll start seeing geese more and more doing their training flights to get their wings built up. In the meantime, they have to start eating calories like crazy. Why? Because the winter hasn't come yet, but it's coming. They are preparing for that time when there will not be enough to eat. And that they are required to fly great distances to their wintering grounds, to where the food is. When I am reading this this time and going through this text this time, God is saying the treasures that we hold on to that really have no gain to us, there is no benefit, there is no goal on having it help glorify God, we have to let go of. We have to be willing to let go of things that are keeping us from the what God is trying to fulfill us to be able to do. It means that we need to be able to try to plan ahead, to try to be able to be ready. So if God says go, we say how fast? 
How fast are we going, God? How much are we just anxious and ready to go? It's not the anxiousness of being afraid. It's the anxiousness of knowing that God is coming and we're going and meeting our heavenly creator. But just in that excitement that we may have, it doesn't mean that we don't have to plan, that we don't have to be ready. And we know that even just within life, how often do we hear that this life was taken unexpectedly and that was way too soon? We don't know when our lives are ending. We don't know when that clock, that time, like we talked about a few weeks ago, when that time is coming and that we won't have any more time left. That we just have to be prepared. It's difficult. It's a little bit harder than, I would argue, than a black bear or a bird where they have some type of season, some type of sequence that they're looking at. That they're realizing the days are getting shorter so then I have to be prepared to go. But it's also easier. It's also easier in our situation because we realize it can be any time. And as long as we are working toward glorifying and praising God and showing others God through how we live, we are prepared. It means that if we are preparing ourselves for God, it's asking ourselves the questions of what things really matter to us. If faith in God is really the number one thing like God is seeking for us, then are these other things helping us reach this goal of glorifying God or are they a distraction? Are they something that's causing us to lose sight of where God is calling us, lose sight of what plans he has for us? Is it causing us not to be obedient to what God is planning for us? These are hard questions. These are questions that really push us further, and especially me being here in the United States of America, the number one nation in individualism, it might cause me to actually start looking more toward my neighbor because there are certain things that just doesn't make sense for me to own. But if I can share, it makes more sense. Maybe only one person needs a tiller for tilling the ground to prepare the soil for growing in the spring. But five people can use it. And I don't know if that's the best example, but I think there's a lot of things where we have gotten into this idea, especially here in the States, of I need everything for me and heaven forbid that I look to my neighbor to help. And I think, again, as we've been looking through these last few weeks and personally, I've been working on looking at stuff for confirmation. And for me, I've been looking a lot at the Ten Commandments. It's been amazing to think about how a lot of the Ten Commandments are pushing us toward this idea of working together, and yet we really wrestle with that. Are we have the reserves to have our lamps lit when the master comes back in the middle of the night from the wedding banquet? But you could also argue that if you have multiple cups of oil to keep your lamp lit, would you be willing to bring more than enough to share? 
And I know that's maybe stretching this text a little bit further than what typically it is, but I think it's something to contemplate, to consider, is do we do that? Are we recognizing that? Are we preparing ourselves? So the Twitter question this week is a hard one, and I know I'm going to wrestle with it this week, is are you prepared for when God calls? And I'm going to leave it just at that. Are you prepared for when God calls? And that can mean that it's drop everything and go, or that could also mean that I have a plan for you. You need to listen and come with me. Be obedient. Be like Abram and follow and trust and have faith in what I'm talking about, what I'm leading you toward. It's hard. It's not easy. But that's where we see the fruit that comes from being obedient to God. So don't let ourselves and our own pride say, this is crazy. This is just unbelievable. I can't trust this. How often we only cut ourselves down in our own dreams and aspirations and the things that God is pulling us toward. Because maybe those dreams are from God and that he's putting you and trying to put you in that place. And yet, we cut ourselves down because it's too crazy. We have to be keen listeners and ready for that time when God calls. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.